Welcome to Behind the Books, a podcast by the Mercer County Library System. Your hosts are Bob Noose and Anna Vanskoyk. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Behind the Books. I believe we have for you today a interesting and informative episode as we welcome Andrea Merrick, who is the branch manager at our Hopewell branch and also a member of our database committee, along with author Eve Calder, who has the Cookie House Mystery Series. Bob, I'm looking forward to this episode and sharing it with everybody. I think um, I really enjoyed our conversation with Eve and kind of talking to her about how she stumbled into Cozy Mysteries. Um, I thought it was a fun conversation to have. And then talking with Andrea, I think that what the information that she's going to have to share uh, about her work on the database committee um, will be valuable to our listeners. And so we will be right back with our interview with Andrea in just a moment. Welcome back everyone to the portion of our episode where we speak with a staff member from the Mercer County Library System. And today we have with us Andrea Merrick, who is the branch manager at the Hopewell branch and also a member of the Mercer County Library System's database committee. Uh, Welcome to our podcast, Andrea. Hi, Bob. Hi, Anna. So full disclosure to our listeners, um, Andrea is actually the manager of the branch where Bob and I work. So even though we get to talk to her every day, we are still looking forward to chatting with her today. So Andre, we really do appreciate you taking time. We know you're busy. Uh, and I guess one of the things uh, that Bob mentioned is that you are part of the database committee. And I think a lot of times people don't realize that um, while we do work a lot with books and with patrons and with programs, um, we are involved with different committees. And the one that you work on, one of them that you work on, the database committee, is pretty important. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what uh, you do for that committee? It's a group of different librarians throughout the system who evaluate databases, either the ones that we have already or ones that we're looking at getting and um, seeing what would work for our patrons. One of the things we look at are the statistics, which is um, how many people use the databases when we evaluate them and um, how useful they would be for school projects, um, what the adults in our communities are interested in. Something else that we do is look at what the trends are in the world, um, in the news, in popular culture, to see what also would be good in those ways. So following up on that, one of the things that we have is the EBSCO Discovery Service. And that's a tool that people can use. And I mean, you mentioned like kids doing research, uh, students doing research. I mean, that's the kind of thing that really helps in that regard, correct? Yes. It allows you to basically do one search to see everything we have. So like if I have a 
subject I'm interested in, I can search in our library catalog under that subject and it'll give me the books that we have available, plus link me out to different databases for articles and topic overviews. So I have an example using the um, EBSCO Discovery Service is that um, I was doing a search on African-American history in New Jersey. For example, one of the items that it gave me was Beverly Mills and Elaine Buck's book, um, If These Stones Could Talk, which is a very local book about African-American history. But then I also would get articles, like full text articles to um, like one of the journals I got was New Jersey Studies. And I got an article in there called The Curious Memory of Slavery in New Jersey. That's something that I might not have discovered um, if I didn't know which database to go to. So this kind of discovery service, it does just that. It discovers what our little nuggets that we have in the different databases. Instead of having to go through and search all, all the different databases, it searches them all at once for you in a way. Yes, you don't have to be an expert with researching because it, it'll do it for you. You don't have to try to figure out where exactly an article might be hidden because it'll do that for you. But I think what that service does is, and that's something that the database committee does is that they're looking for ways to facilitate um, our patrons information uh, retrievals. So it's not so laborious that it makes it a little bit easier for them, a little bit more guided. Yes. Whenever we use, like we as librarians, as we use databases, it's a very technical term. And I think um, what people may not realize is that those databases are, it could be an article index. If someone's doing research on let's say um, civil rights in New Jersey, or if someone is um, looking for a full magazine article, they want the most recent issue of consumer reports. Um, these are all kind of these databases that we have and I think with COVID, um, when we closed down, it really, I think the database committee really started to look at, or maybe they already had some of these things in, in kind of in the works um, for these materials to be accessed online um, for our community. Um, there was a couple, there's been some new ones. What are some new ones that we've just gotten? Some of the things that we got are BrainFuse, which has two different pieces to it, Help Now and Job Now. Um, Help Now is um, online tutoring for students, and Job Now helps people who are um, searching for jobs, um, looking to change their careers, anything job related. Um, we also, we added more to our Flipster titles, which is a magazine, magazine database. Um, so now we have 47 titles in that. So it's almost like looking at a magazine on a tablet instead of you know, holding it in your hand. Uh, we also got something called Press Reader, which gives you access to 7,000 newspapers and magazines, all for free. Would you say that like in the last year, I mean, with the situation that we were, we're all faced with and with less people kind of coming into the library as we slowly reopen, that it, there's been more of a focus on on really trying to you know pick up what we have there with the database available to patrons yes a lot of the ones i just mentioned we did specifically be thinking about everyone being at home what they were looking for at home um, especially with brain fuse with help now helping the students who are working remotely 
and we also have put more money towards our um, they're not really databases necessarily, but our virtual branch resources, um, eLibrary, NJ, and Hoopla. And those are basically audiobook, ebook, comics, movies, television shows that you can stream. And you said that you can look at those stats. So, I mean, have you been able to see like a huge uptick in the past, you know, X number of months? Yes. Yeah. There has been a huge uptick especially in the more entertaining databases like like eLibrary and Hoopla where people are using it for recreation. You've been at the Hopewell branch for a while. You started out as a shelver. Yes. And now you're the branch manager. So with that being said, what is one of the biggest changes you've seen um, with the branch from when you started back in the day? I would say the number of people who use the branch for things other than just coming in to get a book. Um, we have, when we're open during normal times, we have many students coming in to be tutored. We have people coming in to work who stay here all day on their laptop. We have people coming in to use our public PCs. We have people coming in for kids programming who end up staying here for an hour afterwards talking to their friends and having their kids just stay and play around in the kids area. That's not the way it used to be. People would just come in more for the one thing they wanted and then leave. It's more of a community center now. Well, Andre, even though Bob and I get to work with you every day, we have truly enjoyed getting to know more about you and the database committee and you sharing that information with our listeners. And um, we will definitely be seeing you around the library. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone, to the middle segment of our podcast. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to Andrea. Hopefully, everyone picked up some good information from her about some of the database information that's available. And one thing we wanted to mention was that since the time that we actually recorded the interview with Andrea, our website has undergone a an update. Yeah, so we wanted to make sure that our listeners knew where to find that um, EBSCO discovery service that we were talking about. Um, if on our website, which is www.mcl.org, if you scroll down on the homepage, you're going to see a catalog search. And there's a tab there that says databases. And the beauty of that tab is when you search it, um, you are looking for print materials that we have in um, one of our nine branches, as well as materials in a majority of our databases that we have to offer our public as well. So we hope it's a tool that you take advantage of. Um, I have found it very helpful and um, I feel like it's a, it's a great, great resource for people to use. One of the other things that Andrea talked about that I've actually found to be a really good resource is the, the press reader, uh, the access that you get to newspaper articles and magazines. Um, it's the kind of thing that I think once people start to 
know it's there and use it. It's going to be one of those things that'll be a go-to. You'll you'll find yourself going to it quite often because it's uh, it's really a good way to to uh, get your information. And as Andrea mentioned, it's totally free with your library card. And you know what else is free, Bob? The programs that we offer, which we've got a, quite a few good ones that are coming up this month. Um, for our adults out there on Tuesday, March 2nd at seven o'clock, we have Feminism Through the Decades. And that is our first program that we're offering this month that is related to Women's History Month. So we highly encourage you to get onto our events page at mcl.org to see the um, upcoming programs. But that is our first one uh, focused on Women's History Month. Then on Wednesday, March 3rd at 11 a.m., in hopes that you are getting your garden ready for spring, we have early spring tasks in the garden. And then on Monday, March 8th at 7 p.m., we have some guest speakers from the College of New Jersey who are gonna talk about uh, COVID-19 vaccinations, what you should know. Uh, we have um, a professor coming in from the nursing department or the School of Nursing, I'm sorry, as well as some of her students, her senior students who have actually been involved in administering the vaccine. So those are all events that you would need to register for. And again, that's on our events page at our website. And of course we have things for the kids out there as well. Uh, on Tuesday, March 2nd at 12 p.m., all of our youth services librarians have gotten together for Read Across America. And they are sharing their reading of The Not-So-Quiet Library by Zachariah O'Hara. And that's something that you'll be able to access on our YouTube channel again on March 2nd at 12 noon. And then for the kids out there ages 9 to 14, for Women's History Month, uh, one of our librarians, actually it's Christine Crawford, who we interviewed a few episodes ago. She's doing a Women's History Month trivia on Kahoot. And that is on Thursday, March 4th at 3.30. And again, that's Women's History Month uh, trivia. So get on there, maybe learn some new things, show off what you know. And again, that is one that you do need to register for on our events page. There are really a ton of programs coming up in March. So we highly encourage you to go to our calendar, again, which is on our website at mcl.org. But next, we have our author interview with Eve Calder. So we will be back in just a moment. Welcome back, everyone, to the part of the podcast where we are joined by an author who's nice enough to take some time from their busy schedule to talk to us about their work and their career. Uh, today, we are joined by Eve Calder, who is the author of The Cookie House Mysteries, uh, the first book, and then there were Crumbs, and then the sequel, Sugar and Vice, and she has the third book coming out in late April, A Tale of Two Cookies. Uh, Eve, thank you for taking the time, and welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. So one of the things I wanted to ask about was um, you have your main character in your um, Cookie House Mysteries, uh, Kate McGuire. I can't help but wonder uh, if she is based on yourself or on someone that you know, or is she like a conglomerate of many people? 
the funny thing is she she is not like me at all. Um, so she's definitely not based on me. But I have given her my mom's coloring and eyes. So oh. I I kind of draw from that and I draw from some of the women in my family and how they handle things, how well-grounded they are, how even-tempered they are. And that kind of goes into fuel what she's going through, or at least what you see on the outside. Did you kind of have her in your mind when you sat down and decided that you were going to be write this this book? And I guess also, did you know it was going to be a series? Was that the first thing you had in your mind? I mean, did you kind of have the character figured out? And then you were like, you know what, I could make a series into this woman with this woman's life. It came about in a really funny way. I sort of backed into it. I had written a different book. It was a mystery, but it wasn't a cozy, definitely not a cozy. And I was shopping that around, and one of the editors at St. Martin's read it, didn't want that book, but liked my voice and my writing style and said, how about, you know, have you thought about doing a cozy series? We'd love to have you do one. And I thought, okay, you know. So so their thing was give us, you know, they wanted small town pastry chef and they wanted definitely a book club. So um. I sort of noodled around for a little while and thought, okay, what would be interesting? What would be, you know, what would this person be like? Where would it be? And I knew I wanted to put it in Florida. And I just sort of came up with Kate and Coral Key. And everything flowed from there. It was really funny the way it happened. It's interesting because we have so many patrons who love the the whole concept of the the cozy mystery series, and I think they get themselves so invested. You know, they they read book one and they can't wait for book two, and then you know book three. I mean, as you write this, do you have just kind of already put in your mind some ideas? Like, I already know what I'm going to do in book seven. You know, yes. down the line. <laughs> long-term project kind of a thing? Absolutely. In fact, right now, believe it or not, I'm still editing. I'm in final edits of A Tale of Two Cookies. Even though it comes out in April, right up to the very end, you're still making, you know, little changes. Oh, my gosh. But I've got the next... I know. (laughs) (laughs) I have the next few books mapped out, including one that features Christmas at the Cookie House. So, you know, stay tuned. (laughs) So is that something like when when you decide... I, I know you said they kind of wanted a a bake shop, like, is that something that while you're working on these books, say, let's see, for a little inspiration, I think I'll go work on some different kind of cookies. And, you know, do you do a lot of baking yourself or how does that kind of figure into the whole the series? I do more eating <laughs> and I love to watch bakers at work. In fact, before I started <laughs> this, I, I would go around to various bakeries and I would just watch them work. And I would binge watch a great British baking show. And I was Pouring yes. through all of my cookbooks and my baking books, I'm a I'm a so-so baker. I I can I can do okay, but the the really good stuff, you know, comes out of um, my mother's kitchens and came out of my grandmother's uh-huh. kitchens. And a lot of those recipes and and cookies I will mention in the books. You know, things that have been in the family for a while. Or, you know, sometimes I'll I'll make something up just because I like a a certain combination of ingredients and it comes out that way. But I am very appreciative of good baking, but I am not a great baker. (laughs) 
There is something kind of mesmerizing or relaxing about watching, not the not the timed baking shows that are out there, but like when someone is baking cookies and they're working the dough or, or whatnot, there is something kind of cozy and relaxing about it, right? Absolutely. The smells, and I mean, all of it. Exactly. And that's what I wanted to do with this was capture not just what they're doing with their hands and what you're seeing, but what you're smelling and what you taste and, you know, huh. what it sounds like when the spoon hits hits the, the glass measuring cup and, you know, the whole experience. So I'm sure you have gotten this question before, but I could not find an answer to it anywhere. Um, do mm -hmm. you think you might do some type of like cookie house mystery cooking book or baking book? Oh, wow. That would be a challenge. The funny thing is that <laughs> I I I would love that. I'm I'm not sure at this point I have the skill. Yeah. It a lot of the readers have had gotten angry because they wanted recipes and there were no recipes in the first two books. And I was leery of including recipes because I want them to be, you know, really good, really time tested and I wasn't sure my my stuff would, you know, cut it. And I reached out to a couple of chefs who very generously let us use cookie recipes this time. Nina Simons, um, yeah. who wrote A Spoonful of Ginger, yeah. is letting us use her recipe for orange madeleines. And Duff Goldman from Ace of Cakes is letting us borrow his chocolate chip cookie recipe. So for the first time, we will actually have recipes in the book. And I'm, you know, there's some really good recipes, so I was really happy with that. What a fabulous partnership to make! That's amazing. They were extremely generous. That's uh, that's pretty good because that's one of the things Ann and I were talking about. Like we were wondering if we, there were going to be recipes. So that's we're like the the other readers who are like going to be excited now to know that there's some recipes we can try some cooking. <laughs> In the books too, it's like she throws out so many different kinds of cookies, and as I'm reading through the book, I'm like, boy, that sounds pretty good. I'd like to be able to try it. <laughs> right? So it's like now that now that hopefully some of these kind of cookies that we read about in the book will be, we can try our hand at making them. So. I was going to say, we, we can actually make them now, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Now, do you read Cozy Mysteries yourself? Because you said the first book you read, you, one of the first books you wrote really wasn't a cozy mystery. It was a more, I guess, a hardcore mystery. So what do you enjoy reading? I love reading everything. I'm, I'm, I don't yeah. read as many cozies, and I think it's because I'm hesitant. I don't want to borrow anything. I don't mm. want anything to color what I'm writing. But, Interesting. you know, every day I read a couple of newspapers. I love histories and biographies. Um, Hillary Mantle's Wolf Hall trilogy was a real favorite. And, you know, Allison Weir's books about the Tudors and the Plantagenets I love. And obviously, everything from Agatha Christie to yeah. Janet Ivanovich, you know, I love those. Sounds like you got a pretty varied interest in terms of what you like to read. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm pretty much I will I will read anything and everything. And I, I blame my parents for that. <laughs> That's a good thing. That's a good problem to have, right? Yeah. It's a good problem until you get into a bookstore and, and then it, it becomes a, a you know, a, a more expensive problem. So the library is, is the solution there. One of the things I had wanted to ask you too was when we back when we were talking about the the series, it seems like some of the 
you know, characters that are kind of on the periphery, like, you know, her neighbors with the flower shop. I mean, it's like, it seems like you've, you've been able to develop these other characters who kind of go along with, with Kate. And, uh, you know, we kind of get invested in them as well as, as, you know, just her being kind of the protagonist of the book. That's what I wanted. I, w I wanted to have it be this town and this place that you go to and you run into these old friends of yours that, that you've known from earlier books, and there's sort of a network there. But I noticed in, in a lot of the books that I read that I really enjoy, there will be a, a returning cast of characters. And I thought, okay, that's, you know, if if I do this the right way, that's what I want to create. You know, the the guy who runs the, the grocery store that, you know, you run into every day and, you know, the person who runs the floral shop or, you know, the hardware store or, you know, whatever it is. It's this sort of everything on Coral Key sort of interconnects. And I wanted to show that sense of community. Well, we are looking forward to... Um meeting them all again in your next book, uh, Tale of Two Cookies, which will be coming out uh, April 27th. And we wanted to thank you again, Eve, for taking the time to uh, talk with us today. It was absolutely lovely speaking with you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was great. Welcome back, everyone, to the final segment of this episode of Behind the Books. I uh, want to thank Andrea earlier and also Eve for those interviews. Both, as we had said earlier, were informative and interesting. Um, wanted to catch people up. One of, the, one of the segments that we occasionally throw in is an author update or a guest update, I guess we would call it, because it's not just the authors. If somebody that we've talked to from the library has something happen, we kind of update you with that too. But just want to let you know that Dan Gutman, who was a guest on one of our previous podcasts, his uh, graphic novel, which we had talked about on the episode with him, Mr. Corbett is in Orbit, is now out and it's available here at the Mercer County Library System. So if you're a fan of uh, Dan Gutman, make sure that you check out uh, Mr. Corbett is in Orbit, which is his first graphic novel. Also, uh, Dan's has another new book, from the My, War My Weird School series, which came out on February 16th. And that book is titled, Ms. Jojo is a Yo-Yo. So he's got the graphic novel out, plus the new My Weird School book, Miss Jojo is a Yo-Yo. And also uh, when we talked to Dan, we had talked about his website and told people it's the kind of thing that they wanna check out. And he's just updated his website. So you might wanna get back on there and see some of the new things that he's done on his website. That's exciting to hear that Dan's book has come out, the one that we talked uh, with him about a little bit uh, back on a couple episodes ago. And with Eve, she has a book coming out too, so we can make sure we let everybody know when that book comes out. Um, I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about this episode was when we were talking with Eve, and I just thought it was really interesting that the first book that she tried was a traditional murder mystery. And after she submitted it, it was suggested that she try a cozy mystery. 
And it seems like she's really kind of found her footing with the cozy mysteries. Um, she has a huge following. People really enjoy her books. Uh, I think they sound fantastic. And I love the partnership that she's made with the, um, the chefs uh, to help contribute recipes to the books. I know in the past we've talked about how sometimes with the, our author guests, we end up talking to them a little afterwards. And one of the things that we had talked to Eve about afterwards, which wasn't in the interview, but was something that I thought people would be interested in is she kind of talked about the elements of a cozy mystery and how all the violence and the actual murders take place off, quote unquote, off screen, and that there's no profanity. And then that got me to thinking, and I was talking to my wife about it, who reads a lot of cozy mysteries. And it's, it's true, like you don't think about it until after the fact that that's something that in these cozy mysteries, uh, you don't actually get the gruesome, horrific murder scene, which is why it's cozy. I had never really, I always thought they were called cozy because they usually had something to do with food or like tea. <laughs> I don't know. That was just in my head. I thought it was cozy because you had to like have a blanket on and sit by the fireplace when you read it. So anyway, and the other thing I thought about from this episode too was when we were talking to Andrea, just how much is out there for our patrons. Um, you know, most people, and she had even mentioned in her uh, when she talked about how the library's changed, how it used to be just people coming in to use the library to get books. But now it really is a 24-7 a resource for people where, um, you know, you don't have physically have to be here to enjoy the benefits that we offer. I was definitely impressed by how the committee has been very thoughtful in what they're choosing for our patrons, looking at the trends, looking at... Um, what can help them for their information needs. So I think that they have done some excellent work and uh, our patrons are benefiting from it. Bob, as always, I have a great time sitting down and talking with you and I enjoyed our interviews this week very much. And I uh, hope our listeners enjoyed them as well. And again, we would like to thank Eve Calder as well as Andrea Merrick. Thank you for listening to Behind the Books, a podcast by the Mercer County Library System. Don't forget to subscribe and please leave us a review. For more information about the Mercer County Library System, please visit us on the web at mcl.org. We are produced by Laura Narosik. Our thanks goes out to Kim Livingston for her technical expertise, as well as to Dana Benner for creating our cover art. Your host, are Bob Noose and Anna Vanskoik.